In Revelation chapter 9 and verse number 1, the Bible said, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, and as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. There came out of the smoke of uh, out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torments were as the torments of scorpions when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it and shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were as it were crowns like gold and their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women and their teeth were as the teeth of lion. And they had the breastplates as it were breastplates of iron and the sound of their wings were as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had the tails like unto scorpions, and there were and they there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abandonan, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. Who at one woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. Father, I pray this morning. God, that you would give us liberty and vocabulary. I pray for the next few moments, you may the Holy Spirit do what needs to be done. God, I ask you to visit the heart of every individual in this room, saved and lost. I pray for we that are saved that we would have a burden for them that are lost. And those that are lost this morning, God, please help them. Give them the courage. Give them the humility. I pray the Holy Spirit would pull the scales off their eyes this morning. May they come to an altar of repentance and be saved for the glory and the honor of God. And for what you do, we'll praise you and thank you. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach this morning on this subject, on the terrifying tormentors of the tribulation. The terrifying tormentors of the tribulation. When you think about it this morning, the day and the hour that we're living in 2019, Satan and the world has set the stage in this day and time for what is to take place in chapter number nine. What I mean by that is that the devil in Hollywood and the world, every year they publish hundreds of books. They, they put out all kinds of different movies and, and different video games that all uh, portray demons and it portrays ghosts and goblins and, and the walking and living dead, they call it, and zombies and things of like that. Nature, all of this is, is the devil's plan, the devil's way of setting the stage and desensitizing people and getting them used to what will happen and what will be in the last days. Now, I wanna just stop and say this as a side note and move home here in just a moment, but I think that no Christian has any business, and if you are a Christian, you won't have any business watching anything that has to do with demons and, and ghosts and goblins. Can I get a witness right there? 
People that are saved and love Jesus and love heaven and love holiness and, and love uh, uh, angelic beings on the good angelic beings of God and uh, love the things of God and the pure things and the holy things, uh, they want absolutely nothing to do with demons and, and, and zombies and all the, the creepy things that are gonna crawl out of hell uh, during the tribulation period. Do you know what I've noticed in these last days? There's a lot of people that says they're saved. They love that kind of stuff, amen? Now, I'm gonna tell you this morning, if you you're saved, you'll want to stay away from that. Amen? You know why? Because we're children of light, not of the darkness. Amen? And if God saved you and brought you out of the darkness, then you don't want anything to do with that anymore. Amen? And while I'm on the subject, I don't think Christians celebrate Halloween neither. Somebody say amen right there. And uh, we don't celebrate trunk or treat around here neither. Somebody say amen to that. You see tonight, they say, well, preacher, I, I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. Well, I'll tell you something. I don't need the devil's tools to reach the lost, amen? The preaching of the gospel, the power of the gospel, the witness of the gospel, that's what we need to get to win the lost. And I know Halloween will be coming around in a few months and I, I'm shocked at people that says they're saved. And uh, listen, they'll celebrate those. And some people do it innocently, I understand that. But you're not innocent anymore. You've done hurt the truth, amen? The Bible said I have nothing to do uh, uh, with the evil things of this world, amen? Uh, we're to shun the very appearance of evil. When my children was coming up, we didn't put a, we didn't put a jack-o'-lantern on the front porch. Uh, we didn't dress them up like ghosts and goblins, amen? I mean, they were devils when they was little, but that was their own nature, amen? Uh, we sure didn't put a pitchfork in their hand and horns on their heads, uh, and we didn't celebrate that. Uh, uh, we celebrate the things that honor God, amen? Now you'd be amazed people get all bent out of shape because you say something about Halloween. Can I get a witness? Don't tell you something, right's right and wrong's wrong, isn't that right? And I'm not gonna celebrate and I'm not gonna decorate anything that's coming out of the bowels of hell. And we come to this text this morning, that's exactly what we see happening. In Revelation chapter number nine this morning, I want you to notice some things about these terrifying tormentors of the tribulation period. Number one, I want you to notice their confinement. The Bible says in verse number one, and the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth and to him that was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit and there rose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. This angel falls, uh, uh, this star falls from heaven having this key opening this bottomless pit and what he is doing is he letting, he's letting those out of that prison house, uh, those demons that God has confined them and they are confined presently uh, for all these thousands of years. When I think about that this morning. Can you imagine today if, uh, if, uh, if you was to go home and, and if on the airwaves or on the headlines of, of the news or the internet, uh, uh, listen, if you was to, there was to be a public announcement around the world, a worldwide announcement that we are about to release today, all those that have been incarcerated, all prisoners around the world are gonna be set free. We're starting over and all those criminals, all those that have, have committed crimes, no matter how heinous and no matter what they are, they're gonna be set free and be given a clean bill, a clean slate uh, as far as society goes. Can you imagine the panic? Can you imagine the terror that would strike men's heart if every prison around this world was emptied and men were allowed to go free and live as they please and do as they will? I'm gonna tell you, there's no gates high enough and there's no locks strong enough to keep men from doing what, what they would want to do. I'm talking about the Charles Mansons of our day. I'm talking about, my friend, all of those 
those, the Jeffrey Dahmers of our day, all the murderers and the molesters and all those uh, uh, that have connived and killed all the terrorists around the world, if they was to be set free from their confinement, what kind of a world would we be living in in less than 24 hours? That's what's about to happen, friend, in Revelation chapter nine. These demons of hell are gonna be turned loose for five months, but the problem is they're far more fierce. They're far more perverted. They're far more wicked than any criminal behind bars right now. And as that de demon comes down and opens that bottomless pit, the smoke uh, is gonna fill the atmosphere so much uh, that the sun is gonna be darkened by reason of the smoke, amen. Not only do we see their confinement, but notice in verse number six here, verse number four, their commandment. It, like the Bible says, and it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Now you think about this. The average season for a locust is five months. It's from May to September. And when you think about that, when those locusts come on the scene during those five months period, what do they do? They eat up all the vegetation. They eat up all the green grass. Uh, several uh, years ago in Iraq, in Iran, and in those areas of the Middle East, there was an outbreak of locusts like there never had been before. There wasn't hardly a leaf on any tree. They had ate up every vegetation, every bit of vegetation. When you look, and I know these are fake, but when you look at a green leaf on a tree or on a plant, you know what that symbolizes? It symbolizes life. Isn't that right? It lets you know that there's life. Now, there's no life in that, so don't think that. It's artificial life. Isn't that right? But listen, when you go outside and look at a tree, you're looking at life. That green on that tree tells you that it's alive. When these locusts come out of this pit, the commandment that is given to them is that they're not, their mission is not to eat the life off the trees. They're not allowed to take life. But what they're allowed to do is to torment life. And they're not going to torment the vegetation, friend. They're going to torment every man that is left upon this earth that has not the seal. That's them 144,000 Jews. So all of those that have not the seal of God in their forehead, the Bible said for five months, they're going to torment. That's going to be their mission. That's going to be their goal. That's what they're going to be seeking after is those that will be tormented during the tribulation period. You say, now what does that have to do with me this morning, preacher? Everything. If you're not saved, you're going to be one of those men. If you don't get saved this morning, that's going to be you. And if you are saved, if you know somebody, and I'm sure you do, and I know somebody this morning, I know several people, we that are saved, we know people that are not saved. The reality is that's going to be them. And when I think about this commandment this morning as I was beginning to read that, faces begin to run through my mind of people that I know this morning that are not saved. People that I know this morning that are lost as Brother Daniel was praying over the offering and God touched his heart and broke his spirit this morning. I thought to myself, dear God, that's what we need in these last days. We need a tear-filled eye and a broken heart. We that are saved, we need a burden for people that are going to hell. We don't need to be so casual and we don't need to be so complacent that we get so consumed with our life and the things of this world that we let men slip through our fingertips that we pass people by every day and rub shoulders with people that we know and that we don't know that are going to hell. I see the confinement of these uh, uh, terrifying tormentors of the tribulation period. I see their commandment, but I want you to notice their cause this morning. What is the cause of these tormentors? Notice what the Bible says in verse number, in verse number five and six. 
And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torments was, the tor- was as the torments of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it. And shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. When I read these two verses, I thought to myself, there are some things worse than death. Death for a child of God is escape from a world of suffering. Death for a lost person means eternal damnation in hell forever and ever. But it'd be back one thing to die and go to hell. But it'd be another thing to have to live five months before you go to the torments of hell during the tribulation period being tormented by the very demons that come out of the pit of hell itself. When I think about the number five, five months, if you go back through uh, numerology in the Bible, we're not taking much time dealing with that, but I want to simply say this about numerology. The number five in the Bible means typically, it means grace, doesn't it? It means the grace of God. Five is the number of grace. But we're not living in the grace dispensation. In Revelation 9, grace is run out. Grace is over with. The grace, the grace dispensation is over with now. And it's God's wrath that's being poured out. They're living like they did under the days of the law, only worse. There's no law to help them. There's no guidelines to live by. The church has been taken out. I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit has been gone now. And these men are living upon an earth that they've always wanted. They've wanted a godless society, a godless world where there was no reminder of the things of God. Well, God give them exactly what they got, what they wanted. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. And for five months, they're living in the torments of a world that has no mercy, a world that has no grace, a world that has no gospel, a world, my friend, that has no deliverance in it, a world where there is no Holy Spirit to woo them and to draw them and to save them. I'm here to tell you this morning, friend, if you're lost with Without God, and you feel the touch of the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart, calling you to salvation this morning, you ought to jump up out of your seat. You ought to run to an old-fashioned altar because you're headed to a place uh, where the sun never shines, uh, the birds never sings, uh, the grass never grows. Uh, there's no preacher. There's no singing. There's no steeples. Uh, there's nothing but smoke and torments uh, and eternal damnation. And the good grace of God has been extended to you this morning, and now you can come and be saved on the terms of the gospel. Why would you let pride hold you where you're at? Why would you let what people think about you or what they're gonna say? I want to tell you, two seconds in hell and you won't care what anybody thinks about you. Don't get mad this morning. Realize I love you enough and I, I care about your soul enough this morning. I don't want you to go to hell. This church don't want you to go to hell. You say, I'm a visitor. I didn't come this morning to hear this. Uh, you may not have intended it, but you're not here by chance or circumstance. Uh, you're here by divine appointment. God knew you'd be here this morning and God knew what I'd be preaching on this day and he's allowed you to come and hear the gospel this morning. Friend, I'm telling you, you better run while you can. You better not run from God, you better run to him this morning, hallelujah. What I see in this text is the cause of these these dreaded beasts that are coming out of the pit is that they might reap havoc and torment upon these men for five months. You know they say that the sting of a scorpion does not kill a man, but it's the worst pain known to man. 
that that sting will just, Brother David, it'll just for, for months, it'll just, it'll just hurt. The, the pain, it, it's like it's a pain that just never seems to go away. The soreness and, and the sting within itself just continues and, and carries on and on. Can you imagine the torment that they're going through? I see the confinement, the commandment, I see their cause, but then I want you to notice their characteristics in verse number seven here. The Bible says that in those days, or verse number seven, and the shapes of the locusts were like horses prepared unto battle. When I think about these uh, these uh, beasts that are going forth, uh, the first thing I see is that they're intrepid, meaning this, that these uh, these locusts, these demons coming out of hell, they've been, in, they've been in prison for a long, long time. They've been shackled and they've been confined for such a long time and they're like pulling horses ready for battle. They're like pulling at their chain. They're ready to get out of that pit. They're ready to fulfill that mission. They too want to be released and they want to be set free and for five months when they're turned loose, uh, my friend they're going to be so intrepid, uh, they're going to run men down and hunt men down there'll be no place to run, there'll be no place to hide, uh, they're not going to sleep, they're not going to waste a second their goal mission is to see how much torment they can bring in that five month period, amen like horses ready for battle not only are they intrepid, but notice in verse number seven, they're invincible. The Bible said that on their heads were as it were crowns like gold. What those crowns of gold mean is that they're not gonna lose one victim. They're not gonna lose one battle. That nothing is gonna stand in their way. That no man on the earth will be too big and no building will be too secure. That what these tormenting beasts will not be able to penetrate and find men and get to where they're at. Crowns of gold on their head. They're gonna be invincible. No one's gonna be able to stop them. There's not gonna be a missile. There's not gonna be an army. There's not gonna be a tank. There's not gonna be anything that's gonna be, be able to hold them back. When you think about that this morning, the Bible even tells us in that same verse that they're gonna be intelligent. As the word of God said that their faces were as the faces of men. You know what man's face is? It's the index to his soul. When you look at somebody's face, you can tell a lot about their, what's going on inside. When someone's mad, you can tell they're mad. When someone is sad, their face gives off that impression. When they're happy, it gives that. When they're moved in sorrow, their face is the index of their soul. You don't look at their arms. You don't look at their back to try to figure out what a person is thinking. When you want to figure out what someone is thinking, you look into their face. Isn't that right? That's where your brain is. That's where, uh, listen, uh, the man's uh, uh, soul and spirit is here, but in his body, he thinks in his mind, God, give every man a mind. Isn't that right? And that mind is right here, and we think with that mind, and God put intellect in man. That's what makes him separate from an animal. He's not a dumb animal, but he has will. He has thought. He, can, he has reason. He can think within himself. Well, that's what these demons are gonna be like. They're not gonna be some dumb animal out there that's gonna be guided about, but they're gonna be as intelligent as what you and I are. They're gonna be able to, they're gonna be able to, to strategize. They're gonna be able to, to have evil surmisings. They're gonna be able to think and, and they're gonna be able to put things together. They'll be able to have a plan and communicate one with another. They'll be far more, uh, listen, far more intellect than any, than any wild beast of the field that may work together. These beasts will work together, my friend, and they'll hunt men down. They'll have the intellect, the face as a man. Well, what about that this morning? I see not only their intelligence, but in verse number eight, notice this. They're inviting. So what do you mean, preacher? The Bible says in verse number eight, and they had hair 
as the hair of a woman. You know, the Bible says that a woman's hair is her glory. The Bible says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. Isn't that right? Amen. I still believe that. Somebody say amen. It's 1 Corinthians 11. It's still in the book. Isn't that right? And uh, you boys always remember that. Keep your hair cut. Somebody say amen right here. That's right. Don't make it look like a weed eater got a hold of it neither. Amen. Keep it cut right. Look like a man. But a woman's hair is her glory. And the Bible says here they're going to have hair like the hair of a woman. Meaning that, and I can't even comprehend what I'm about to tell you, but as wicked and as, as, uh, uh, as, as evil as these beasts are going to be and as tormenting as they're going to be, there's going to be something seductive and attractive about them. You say, preacher, I don't understand that. I don't either. You know why? Because we don't live, if you're saved, you don't have a perverted mind. So you've got to remember during Revelation 9, during the tribulation period, the world is going to be at an all-time high in perversion. Men's minds are going to be more perverted than they've ever been. And even though they look at it, they know it's painful, they know it's hurting, yet to their eyes there is still something appealing, there is still something attractive to it. You say, preacher, do you think that's a reality? It's a reality today. You walk past something. I saw a car going down the road the other day and it had this big skull in the back of it. Looked like death and, and the eyes were lit up and you know with red fire and it looked like the Grim Reaper and that, that skull face had a, had a big grin on its, on its, on its face and, and some of its teeth were missing and the bone looked kind of like it had really aged, like it was thousands of years old. But yet, you know, whoever posted that on the back of their automobile, it was enticing to them. It was attractive to them. You know, now when I was lost, I, I felt the same way, but after I got saved, it's amazing. We look at that stuff and say, how in the world could anybody ever be attracted to death? How could in the world could anybody ever be attracted to demons? How in the world could anybody ever be attracted to the, to the sinfulness and the wickedness of hell? I'll tell you how they can, because some men love darkness rather than light because uh, their deeds are evil. When you live in darkness, you're attracted to darkness. Amen? But when you're saved and you love Jesus uh, and you live in the light and the light of, of God is in your heart. You want nothing to do with that darkness. Amen. But I want to tell you during that time they will be inviting. It may be the very tool they use to lure men in as they lure them closer and then they attack them. Isn't that the way Satan works in our life? Uh, he'll make sin look so attractive. He'll put a big bill, billboard up with a man and a bunch of women standing around and they'll be half dressed and they'll have they'll have martinis or they'll have alcohol in their hand and they'll be on a sunny beach somewhere so, and they'll be having the time of their life and they'll be laughing and smiling and everybody's just the perfect weight and looks like they're healthy and there's no problem and no, it looks really good on that billboard but if you could flip that billboard over what they don't show you and what sin doesn't show you is the ugly side of all that it doesn't show you them women that's bearing children who doesn't know who to call daddy it doesn't show you those men when their teeth is knocked out because of, of wicked drinking and sinful living and loose living it doesn't show you a bloody mess where in the middle of the night at two or three o'clock in the morning. They've had a head-on collision and their body's hanging out of the car over the hood and in that other car is a family with children that are dead and a husband or a wife that's went out into eternity. Oh, sin doesn't show you the ugly side, friend. It shows you the attractive side. It wants to lure you in so it can torment you. And that's what it's doing today. That's what it'll do then. I see here the Inviting, and then I see the inescap their inescapability. They're inescap the inescapable. The Bible says in verse number nine, 
And they had breastplates, as it were, as breastplates of iron. You know, iron is a picture of judgment. The sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots and many horses running to battle. You know, when I read verse 9, I thought about this. If you die lost or if you reject the gospel and the rapture takes place and you're left behind to go through this, what's going to happen is you're going to hear the sound of those wings long before you see their faces. One of the worst things about torments is when you know it's coming and you can't do anything about it. You'll run, you'll try to do everything you can hide, but the harder you run, the closer the sound of those wings. The sound of those wings will be tormenting to men within themselves. It will be an alarm that will let those that are in, in that area, that region, know that torment is coming, torment is on the way. You know, God is sounding an alarm today. He's trying to get the attention of every young person, every middle-aged, every elderly person that's here lost this morning. I've watched people down through the years as you would preach the gospel. If you patted them on the head and gave them a, 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 told them Jesus loved them and he died for them, wants to save them, and that's all true, but if you just left it there, then they would be okay. But when you preach on hell and judgment and wrath and the tribulation period, they don't like that because they're not saved. I remind you, Jesus himself preached those subjects. In fact, Jesus talked more about hell than he ever did heaven. In his first sermon, he talked about hell. In his last sermon, he talked about hell. Jesus, my friend, warned men to flee the wrath that is to come. I want to tell you this morning, am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? No, I'm not here this morning to be your enemy. I'm just here this morning trying to wave a flag, just trying to warn you there's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun this morning for you and you can go by way of the cross and the shed blood of Calvary. You don't have to face this judgment this morning, but what you do have to do is come clear with God. You do have to come to the place where you realize, hey, I need to be saved. I'm lost. I'm wicked. I can't save myself. You do have to swallow that pride and come to Calvary and accept Christ as your Savior. You have to come clean with God. I can't see a man's heart, but I can't tell you the times. Here and other places, I've watched people and I don't know what all's going in their heart, but I've watched this happen. I've watched people fall under conviction. God deal with their heart and them know in that pew that message is for me. And I've watched them go so far as to step out of their pew and come to the altar and get to the altar and they, boy, I'm telling you, the devil never quits. They come to that altar and get on their knees and right when they get there, they come, they come this far and then they convince themselves, I'm okay. Now, preacher, I'm, I'm just going to tell you I'm saved. Well, you don't got to tell me nothing. If you're saved, you don't have to tell me nothing. There ain't no convincing me in this altar. All I'm down here to do is pray with you and for you. But you're not dealing with me when you come to that altar. You're dealing with God. There's no trying to convince Brother Gravely where you stand. The issue this morning is, and I'll tell you what I've seen on the other hand. I've seen people step out of them pews under conviction. And before they took that first step, they done made their mind up. I'm waving the old white flag. 
Oh God, I'm lost. He, the Holy Spirit's dealt with my heart. I know that message is for me. And I'm gonna tell you, they make their mind up before they ever step out of that pew. I'm making my way to God. I'm not going to hell. I'm going, if he'll take me, I'm getting saved this morning and he will take you. They swallow every ounce of pride they got and they come down. I'm gonna tell you something about half of that crowd. They probably get born again before they ever get to the altar. Amen. You know why? Because they done surrendered. And when they get in that altar and you get down there, preacher, I mean, you're just a sideline person is all you are. When you get up next to them, they'll say, oh God, preacher, I'm lost. I need to be saved. I know I'm going to hell. They ain't no convincing them of nothing and they're not trying to convince you of nothing. You know why? They already got convinced in their seat. They knew they was lost. They knew they need to be saved. I'm telling you this morning, friend, if you're gonna get in, you're gonna have to make your mind up before you ever take the first step. I need to be saved. I can't save myself and Jesus is the only one who can save me and rescue me. And I'll tell you, if you'll come that way, friend. He'll take you with arms wide open. He'll rescue your soul. He'll save you from a devil's hell. Hallelujah. That's how you got to come. Don't come short. And I see that these characteristics of them is they're insensitive. Notice the Bible says here in verse number 10, and they had tails like unto scorpions. And there were stings in their tails and their power was to hurt men five months. You know what's amazing about verse 10? Is all three things he tells us in verse 10 about these scorpions. Brother Daniel, he's already told us. He tells it again in the same text twice. He tells us that they had tails, that they stung like scorpions, and that they would do that for five months. When God repeats something, we better pay attention. It's one thing for him, to say it one time is enough. But when he puts an emphasis the second time, he's reminding us, this is important. You better remember this. These locusts have tails like scorpions and they're gonna torment men for five months. I see not only their insensitivity, they don't care who they hurt, but I want you to notice their champion in verse 11 and I'm done. The Bible said they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name is in the Hebrew tongue, is abandoned. But in Greek, in the Greek tongue, hath his name Apollyon. You know, he has a name both mentioned here in Hebrew and Greek. And I think the reason for that is because he's going to deceive both Jew and Gentile. He's going to, they're going to torment both Jew and Gentile. Those 144,000 will be sealed. We know there's others that's going to be saved as a result of the 144,000. My friend, when this champion comes out, even God has a organized uh, order in everything that he does. These that are coming out of this pit has a champion that's going to lead them, that's going to guide them in the direction. Just like a general leads an army, this champion's going to come out and he's going to guide those demons of hell that's going to come out. You saw Brother Gravely, that's awful. I'm going to be honest with you, I'm saved this morning and I know I'm saved, but when I read this text, it brings fear to my heart. I don't think anybody could not read this text. If you, if you know God and if you don't know God, it really ought to bring fear but I think to every child of God, it brings fear. Brother Barnes, I'm not gonna be here when this happens, thank God. I'm not gonna be trodden this earth when these animals or these demons are on this earth. Thank God I'll be in heaven, amen. I'll be safe in the arms of Jesus. I, I will escape this world for time and for eternity. And that's the blessed privilege to us that are saved. It burdens my heart and brings fear to my soul. And it moves me to say to myself, I must do more. I need to witness more. I need to go after people more. It makes me wanna pray, God, forgive 
forgive me for not having more of a burden for people that are gonna face these awful torments. Uh, my friend, if you die without God, you'll face more torments than this. Uh, you'll face more in hell. I'm here to tell you this morning, I pray that God makes it a reality to your soul uh, and you realize your need for Jesus Christ this morning. As we stand, I wanna ask you, all over the house this morning, I wanna ask you this question. Our heads are about eyes are closed. Christians are praying. If you're a child of God, would you please pray? Now, sinner, I wanna tell you this morning, we're not gonna sing 25 verses of Just As I Am. I'm not gonna stand up here all morning and beg you to come to an altar and be saved. You've heard the gospel. What I would tell you this morning is you have a great opportunity and a great privilege to escape the torments that I've preached about this morning. But you're gonna have to get honest with yourself and honest with God if you wanna be saved. They can't nobody tell you you're saved. They can't nobody tell you you're lost. But I'll tell you one who can. And that's the sweet Holy Spirit. And if you'll surrender to him right now, he'll speak to your heart. He'll make it crystal clear. If he makes it clear to your soul, I tell you what you ought to do. You ought to wave the old white flag. Don't let pride keep you in your seat. Don't you let pride send you to hell. Don't you let, don't you let it keep you where you're at this morning. So preacher, I, I may get saved tonight or tomorrow. If you don't get saved now, there's a high possibility you may never. Father, I pray this morning in Jesus' name. Dear God, please draw me in. There's, Lord, we've done all we can do to this point. Lord, the rest is up to you and up to them. I pray as Brother David sings, I pray sinners will come. Come on, friend, while he sings.